once again, I am Brandon Lawrence, emergency medicine doc in Phoenix, Arizona, and this is Jacked, Just a Couple Dudes podcast. Today, I'm joined by a really good friend of mine, Joe Flamer. He's a brand new father to Michaela. He's a diehard, dedicated, unfortunately, Lakers fan. He, uh, he's also <laughs> unex- he also recently and unexpectedly lost his father, who is also another truly amazing man, great mentor, and Joe's really been the rock for his family since then. Uh, I met Joe his senior year, our senior year of high school, uh, and he's just and we, we lived together for three years in college, and he's just always you know been there for me since. Uh, I don't want to do the math on that. That's that's a long time. Uh, that's a long time. Anyway, so Joe also uh, donates some of his time to the junior achievements in, in uh, Chicago, where he works with kids and educating them in the financial matters such as credit and budgeting and savings and stock markets, which is. I think something really cool and really needed because we don't really learn that at all in school. And, and uh, Joe's helping remedy this, this void, I think, that's left in our educational system. And that's awesome. So say hi. Yeah, Joe. thanks, man. Hey, thanks. Hey. Thanks for the intro, Brandon. Uh, yeah, we go way back. We've uh, uh, senior year of high school, went to the same college, joined the same fraternity. And it's long story since. So it's, it's great. I'm glad to be here. And Appreciate the kind words about me and my family as well. Yeah, so Joe um, is one of the few people I talk to on a, a daily basis. Um, we talk sports, we talk current events, and I can say that you're you're truly like one of the only people that can kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of see through the bullshit that we get in the news. And it's really fun to talk to you on these sort of things that when, when we talk current events, like you offer unique perspective. You know, Eileen. You know, I lean towards the Democratic side, and I always have been, and sometimes I find difficulties on the other side, and that's what really helped me see, and that I think really over the last six months has been very helpful. So I, I thought it'd be fun to have you on and talk about some of the current events, the big inflammatory, sensationalized articles, and try to pick some of the stuff that's maybe true, maybe that's exaggerated, and, and go from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's definitely a ton of fun chatting with you about it too. I mean, really the thing that I do and you do as well, that's really important is do your homework, right? Before you can get to know things. I hate being wrong personally. I just hate being wrong about things. So what I do is I really try to get the information and, and look at it from both angles. So when we have these conversations about sports, but current events, topics that a lot of people really don't like to talk about, but we're able to have these conversations because, you know, we're looking at it from a factual point of view. So that's really, really important to me is, okay, what are the facts here? What's the data? And then let's, let's have an open and honest conversation about it. Yeah. And I think the biggest important thing that you alluded to, but didn't say when you talk about having the facts, it's keeping the emotion out. So a lot right. of times we have these big, uh, you know, titles from these, news sources that that say one thing then you read the article and you're like well did it really actually say that or is this something they're leading us to think you know and that's uh, a, a really important thing to, to try to parse out when you're when you're reading up on some of these big uh big current events it's really hard i mean we're human beings you're a father of two beautiful girls i'm a new father we we grew up differently but similarly we come from different backgrounds everyone comes from different backgrounds we have implicit biases and emotions and these companies and a lot of these media companies, they're geniuses in feeding that. Right. And like you said, in 
we're going to see a headline and we're immediately going to agree or disagree with it um, without even clicking on the headline and doing our due diligence to read through it. Um, and so it's getting past that emotional state and trying your best to look at it from two different angles, right? And there's a bias and, a, and an angle for everything. So it's trying to cut through the bullshit, right? That's right. the number one thing that we try to do. Yeah, and it, what's funny is we've been talking about doing something like this for a little bit and, um, and then came out Social Dilemma, right? And right. that I think kind of kicked our butts into really jumping on and talking about this sort of stuff because what social media has done is created a barrier to actually getting these factual stuff because it's you're part of now an algorithm that just throws the things that you want to see and the things that you agree with um, or the things that you vehemently don't agree with and they put those headlines there and it's just more clickbait and it's turns more into confirmation bias echo chamber because uh, you're following kind of the same people that agree with you and then you're in this spiral right no it's 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 unbelievable uh couldn't come out at a perfect time i've been saying this for years i call it the fart sniffing theory south park used to do it all the time <laughs> like we love the smell of our own farts right we love when we're right, it's it's a it's an innate human nature. Confirmation bias is extremely powerful, and social media preys on this, and that's how they are are incentivized, right? They want to keep us on the website as long as possible. Yep. Well, if we're reading stuff that we disagree with constantly, you're probably not going to go to that source very often. Just we're not going to uh, ch actively choose to, but they prey on this. And social dilemma came out at right at the perfect time for us to kind of dive deeper on this. Yeah, for sure. So one of the, I think, most difficult, I guess, you know, current events to talk about is, is the racial tension and, and more specifically Brianna Taylor at this point. Um, I have to, I want to kind of dive into this, but I want to start with a caveat. You know, I'm an ER doc. I'm not a political historical expert. I am a registered Democrat and I usually vote that way. You know, I'm not a supporter of Trump most of it's more his kind of behaviors more than anything else. Um, and, and then Joe, you here on the other hand, you, you've always really just been kind of totally open where I've always been just kind of on a little bit more on one side. Um, so I just want to start with that kind of caveat, knowing kind of where my stance is versus where your stance is. Um, yeah. Where we dive into this, this kind of conversation. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, great, great point. I'm, I am a registered independent. Um, I've, I vote both ways. Uh, I typically really just try to see it from a perspective that would try to look at it both ways. We all, we all have our biases, but I, I don't lean one way or the other. I, I have a lot of views that I agree with, with the left and a lot of views that I agree with the right. And it's, I'm just trying not to try, try to pigeonhole myself in any way. Um, and, and I'm a financial professional by trade. So, um, facts is kind of where, where I bred my butter and numbers, facts, data. That's kind of where kind of the peer view that I look through things. How often do you bread your butter? <laughs> um, you know, uh, a couple times a day. Um, All right. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> All right. So, you know, further caveats here, I was super mm, anti-racist, supporter of Black Lives Matter, but I'm really starting to see that there's this gray area, right? We're not, for lack of a better term, black and white, right? America, 
um, I appreciate this grief, this strife that the people of color, you know, have gone through and I respect their protests, but when we've gotten too far with some of this violence, that's where I start to have pause. And I just find myself sometimes hard to defend uh, some of these actions, whether they were started by the protesters or started by the National Guard or started by another faction, you know, I don't know, but a lot of it has been protesters starting and that's where I have kind of trouble um, supporting that. And so if we, I wanna dive into Breonna Taylor now because this is, I think the hotbed subject right now, you know, we, we went through George Floyd, that was awful. And now we have Breonna Taylor, which make no mistake, this was a, a, a tragedy and it was probably preventable, but there's a lot of things that were sensationalized and that's what I wanna kind of dive into right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It, it's, it's a very, very difficult situation um, because we're human beings and we all can sympathize and all really, really believe in Black Lives Matter, right? I mean, who wouldn't? We, we're good people trying to do good by this world. It, but there's, it's, it's not black and white. It's very, very, very gray, <laughs> um, especially being out here in Chicago. Um, there was a lot of really great protests and movements that were powerful and were great. Um, really, especially about a half a mile from where we live. On the other side of the coin, here in Chicago, there has been quite a bit of the other, you know, the dark side of things. And there doesn't need to be a line in the sand. You can, you can be okay to be gray. <laughs> it's okay to be gray and, and to feel um, sympathy and, and want to help and do what you can, but at the same time be upset that, you know, cities are being destroyed and yeah. uh, burned and looting and violence. And I think Brianna Taylor is, is a big, is kind of the breaking point, or at least the point where we can kind of start really dissecting have we, where are we going and how far are we gonna go with this? Right, so the, the first thing that I wanna start with, and I think this is the, the biggest misnomer that I've seen throughout the whole case, is that the officers were at the wrong house and they were going for the wrong person, right? Right, exactly, yeah, they, that's something that you see a lot is that you know, they, they were at the, they weren't even at the wrong, they weren't even at the right house, right? Why, I can't believe they were doing their job poorly or whatever the narrative is around that. that that's a huge misnomer. They were not at the wrong house. Right, so I think where this generated from was that Breonna Taylor's place, and to a lesser extent, Breonna Taylor was a person of interest, but that was not the main person in the case they were looking for. And I'm guessing Correct. that's maybe where this generated from is they were looking for this guy maybe at her place. So they weren't at the right place because he wasn't there. And I think that might be, you know, how this all started, but the warrants show that they were looking for this house, this apartment with her on, on the actual documents. Correct. Yep. That's exactly what the warrant states. And there's a lot of, sometimes flimsy reporting about this, about either how involved or how implicit she was mm -hmm. um, to determine whether the warrant was exactly for her or for this other person of interest, but definitely they were at the right house. Uh, right. That's what the, the warrant said. For sure. The idea was that when the guy that she used to be dating, which was the person of interest and I, I'm blanking on his name, he theoretically was using her place of residence as a place that he was dropping off packages and picking them up that was potentially drug affiliated. So that was their reasoning for going to that house. 
Okay. All right, we had a little bit of technical difficulties here, so sorry if my argument's a little disjointed on on the warrant being in the right place, uh, but uh, <laughs> that wraps up my thoughts because I can't really remember where I was. But uh, all right, so the second thing that I wanted to dive into um, was the notion that she was shot in bed, right? So she this this occurred in the middle of the night. She was originally in bed. Um, it's not entirely true that she was shot in bed because she was shot in the hall, right? I mean, it sucks she was shot. Right. All right, but the location, I think, to me, makes a difference because this is, the police were shot at, right? And then you have two people that are up on their feet, and unfortunately, Brianna's the one that got shot. Um, but she wasn't lying in bed as, like, kind of this, like, almost helpless victim. I, I feel like that is, like, significantly worse to portray it that way. It sucks either way. But I think lying in bed just portrays it as like, like differently. You know what I mean? It's a huge narrative difference. Um, and when you hear someone get shot while they're in bed, that's like, oh my God, like what happened? How did that happen? Yeah. That is awful. I mean, it's awful that she got shot. I mean, it's, all, it's an awful tragic situation, but from a narrative standpoint, it's a huge difference. Like, like we talked about the play on your emotions. Right. I could just be laying in bed and uh, what if I get shot? What right. if the cops come to my house accidentally and shoot me in bed? Right. That's kind of the emotions that a lot of the false narratives are, are portraying. She wasn't in bed. She was in the hallway. Right. Um, you know, we don't know what she was doing, but. And right. She, she and that doesn't make bed. it like an okay reason she was shot. No. So don't get us wrong there. It's more yeah. just like, I feel like to get shot in bed, you had to have had that done on purpose because you're lying horizontal to actually take a bullet you have to be aimed at. It, it would be super yeah. weird to have it randomly strike you eight times or six times. I think right. Like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think right. it's, 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 it's a, it's just a narrative that's going around that if it just takes about 10 minutes of research to realize, Oh, she wasn't actually probably, bad, but significantly less than 10 minutes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, the next part, there was like the uh, assertion that, that the body cam footage was, uh, was being held, but that they didn't wear it. I don't really know why. I don't know if that's standard, but the three detectives didn't wear body cam footage. And the body cam footage that is there, that's after the fact, is from the police officers that came to investigate the actual scene. Right. There, there's a whole bunch of fuck ups from that. Don't get me wrong. If you right. go back and actually look at it, like that, the officer that shot Brianna was there, and he shouldn't have been. And there was a lot of fuck ups there, but they didn't have body cams. Right. There's there wasn't. Now we could go on for hours about why why weren't they wearing them and right. why it should be mandated, you know, mandatory for police officers of any kind that they should be wearing them. But yeah, they would they're not withholding it from us. They just weren't wearing it. Right. And so I asked, so I asked my cousin, um, who is a, a detective here in Phoenix about a couple points. Um, I'm trying to pull up her response here. All right. So I had a few questions for her and she actually related to a, another detective that she's friends with as well. And I got kind of the same answers from both of them and they purpose, my, my cousin purposely didn't read his response before giving hers and it just happened to be very similar um mm -hmm. so one of the things that 
was being thrown around um, that I was concerned about. This was, there was two things that I was mostly concerned about. One was the, the notion that there was an EMS rig there that got sent away just prior um, to the, the warrant being, you know, used, right, for entering the home. Uh, and the other one was the amount of kind of bullets that were fired in response to the one that came back. And there's no real way for me to look that up. Hey, is there supposed to be an EMS rig? You know, so I asked, I asked the detectives who, they don't, these, both of these two, so with the caveat, neither of them do no-knock warrants, but this wasn't a no-knock warrant anyways, which is another um, narrative that kind of went off the tracks because yeah. they clearly knocked the, um, the man that was with Brianna, I think Mr. Walker, his name didn't right. didn't hear that it was you know police identifying themselves but they clearly knocked because it was what woke them up out of bed but anyways um so i asked her about the ems thing and she said first of all it's really odd that only three officers were there she said normally there's like six or seven so that's kind of an right. odd thing that they did anyways but that's not really any sort of to me racially charged anything so um right. but she said that it's up to essentially the call beforehand it's up to them if they need ems there and generally they send them away this isn't like a, a like a one-time thing that they sent them away it's she says it's it's the no-knock cases they're they're there initially but if it's a knock case they don't have to be there so if, if you get that so that, i thought that was kind of interesting right. this isn't this isn't like a one-time fuck up this is something that happens frequently right. and this is something that they ran with on this narrative is that they sent the ems people away so right. they probably right. in retrospect shouldn't have, obviously, but this isn't like a like a one-time deal. And then yeah. the other part that I had asked her um, was kind of their response to an officer firing. And that, so my cousin's very, very sensitive to the racial charge matters and all this stuff. And, and she really, really hates bad cops and she's put actually cops in jail before, so she's kind of a badass. So she, mm -hmm. she though backs this up and says, it's so hard to tell from case to case, like you walk in, you get shot. Sure. Uh, you fire four or five shots. And if there's three of them firing more than that, you know, like that's not really unheard of. You know, one of them, I guess, you know, was firing kind of all over the place and he's the one that's in trouble for. <laughs> he's the only one that got tried. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. But she said the 30 some odd shots that were fired is definitely not like out of the norm. So she does right. something that she raised her eyebrows. And then I think the third point that I wanted to ask her was about this no knock or sorry, this warrant being issued in the middle of the night. And she said, that's absolutely what they normally do because it's most likely that the people are going to be here. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a tragic situation, but when you break down all of the narratives and deconstruct every single narrative, like we've done, like you've done with your cousin, it, it's it's tragic it's really tragic and it's it's a really difficult situation to have an honest conversation about mm -hmm. um but a lot of these narratives if you just do do the re do the research look at it at the case you can look at it as what it is it's a horrible tragedy. situation yeah it's a it's a, yeah. it's a tragedy it was a preventable tragedy tragedy but to me this didn't have the George Floyd feel where this was a guy that no literally way. was getting killed in front of other people that was likely racially charged given this officer's background. Right. Yeah, this, this is exactly, it doesn't have the same feel at all. It's a, a an innocent woman was killed. Uh, it's, it's horrible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. Yeah, but but I agree with you. It didn't have that same level of racially charged uh, violence. Right. And then the last part of this that I was in reading um, kind of copious amounts of articles on Breonna Taylor uh, was the notion that um, the officer was shot by friendly fire. And this was actually re- this was actually tweeted originally by Sean King, right? Who's got like two million some odd Twitter <laughs> followers. Yeah. And it's this is where I think me and you really wanted to kind of get into this is this you have this guy with a lot of um, sway on social media putting this narrative out, right? So this officer was shot with a nine millimeter round, but they only carried the 40 calibers. So you do the math there, they don't have that kind of gun that could have shot him. Right. And so it's right. like- And yeah. it's unbelievable. And Chris Cuomo um, is a pretty prominent, I would say anchor on CNN, raised the same question. Right. And, you know, that's millions of people are watching that. That gets retweeted in the mm-hmm. echo chamber and millions of eyeballs are questioning that. It's unequivocal <laughs> ballistic fact that right. it was not friendly fire. I mean, it's just read the report. It's unequivocal evidence right? And, that it wasn't. And like I mentioned earlier, if I was going to choose between watching Fox News and CNN, I'm going to watch CNN. So like this isn't me bashing Chris, Chris Cuomo or me bashing CNN, but that's an irresponsible thing to tweet. Yeah, it's just it, it doesn't matter what yeah. side you're on. That's irresponsible. It is. So, and, yeah, uh, I think we can kind of discuss here a little bit since we're talking about Twitter, kind of, you know, what we were talking about a few days ago about fixing this shit. Yeah, no. So it's unbelievable. Yeah. So one of the ideas that we we're kicking around, um, it's, it's hard to parse out on Twitter all the bot accounts and the hacking accounts and just the people that are on there as trolls more or less. Right. And uh, so due to that, it's difficult to police Twitter. Right. So Twitter for some reason had chosen to police Trump, which is fine, but then they didn't really police anyone else, which isn't right. So we discussed kind of ways around doing this. Right. And you kind of threw out the very first ones about creating these verified accounts, right? Yeah. So somehow verifying every individual on a social media platform, treating social media almost like a utility, um, right? When you buy a house and you want power, you have to verify you're the homeowner and you have to verify who you are. Same with if you want internet, same if you want water. Um, it treat it like 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 a utility. So we need to be verified individuals, and I think that could be a measure, a way to stop the trolls, right? To stop right. the unverified accounts from going viral and retweeting and causing a lot of what we're seeing. Right. And then so I had the notion after that, after hearing this idea Joe had, I know there's going to be thousands to millions of people standing up screaming while you're censoring our rights to free speech. I'm like, well, this is a privilege to use the system. So why don't we make lack of a better term tiers of, of users, right? So you have, if you're unable to verify yourself, you're an unverified, um, you're an unverified individual on Twitter, your account can read everything. It can't tweet anything. And then you have your verified individuals that have full access to everything. 
as long as they've verified who they are. And then you have your businesses that are verified. And then you have your political government kind of agencies as well. That I think that fourth one really is what needs to be super, super fact check, fact checked. Um, that's a huge undertaking, but Twitter makes what hundreds of millions of dollars annually. Right? Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's worth diving into because from watching that that documentary, you know, this is a slippery, never-ending slope we're on. And I think it's. I love your idea about having the four sections of user verification. It's like you have a read-only. You know, come join come read, but you don't have to be verified, but you just can't participate. And then you have the participate verified user group that can interact with each other. And we know who everyone is. And, and then the business side of things, right? If you're a business, you, you can verify yourself. But then I think the most critical component, like you mentioned was the fourth is the government, uh, you know, people of public interest section, people that can actually impact change and vote for laws that can be heavily scrutinized and not just the president but a congressman from idaho can be just as scrutinized for saying right, things exactly um and then i and think everyone gets treated be, the same political pundits should be in that group as well so you don't have chris cuomo tweeting this friendly fire narrative yeah exactly yeah people that can impact change um you know they all need to be held accountable and held to the same level that that is held to the president because even though the president has a lot of followers a lot more followers these media corporations have just as much impact by tweeting these things and we need to hold everyone accountable Mm -hmm. yeah it'd be uh quite interesting seeing some of the it'd be a huge undertaking um yeah, it would. I think it would it would be a game changer for these companies, for these social media conglomerates to do that. Will they? I don't know. They're Tucker Carlson. Uh, <laughs> a lot of time. Did you see that headline? Uh, yeah. This is another funny thing that was sensationalized. Was uh, for some reason I can't remember why, but Tucker Tucker Carlson was getting sued for something he said, like a defamation sort of thing, and they actually ruled mm-hmm. that he is an editorialist and not a news source. So then the headline was the headline was Judge Rules Tucker Carlson not a news source but that's not <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> I really, know. It, it wasn't really what's counter but, it's counterintuitive of yeah it's like okay well you're on Fox News uh, you know it's just it's just everything is being blurred the lines are completely blurred wherever we go mm-hmm. it's it's a challenge to figure out what's actually going on what's real what's not right yeah so i think that'd be a pretty interesting idea so twitter jump on this because we don't need this doom and gloom scenario that was painted by social dilemma to affect our children in 10 years right yeah please yeah please (laughs) so i think the other really really big besides the presidential debate which we can touch on briefly the other really big occurrence that's happening right now is the um unfilled scotus seat um Ruth Bader Ginsburg obviously passed away very recently and leaves this opening. And here we are, we're already voting for our election and we're five weeks away from having a new president. And now we're in an uproar of should the seat be filled or should it not? Right? right. So I actually did a bunch of reading and, and um, 
the timeline of this is is interesting, right? So um, when you look at 2016, that's the most recent time this has happened. So Scalia passed away in, in February of 2016. Unfortunately, hours after this death, Mitch McConnell declares that anybody that's, that Obama um, appoints is going to be null and void, right? right? And so where is the precedence in that? There was none. So if you went all the way back to 19 or 18, like there was like three occurrences of this in the last 120 years. So 1896, 1988, and 1991. And each time there was a outgoing president with an opposite um, majority Senate, right? So Grover Cleveland was the Democratic president and the Senate was Republican led and Rufus Wheeler Peckham was voted in. And then you had in 1991, you had um, Reagan, or in 88, Reagan nominated Anthony Kennedy. And again, in 91, he, he nominated Clarence Thomas. And uh, the Democratic um, Senate, uh, you know, allowed it, essentially. And these were in the same sort of situation where you're in their last month or two months of, of presidency. And so now you have this 2016 fiasco where Obama had nine months left. Right. Like, that's bizarre. And he cited this this Biden rule, McConnell, which isn't this isn't a rule. It's something you know maybe rather stupid that Biden said, um, which I guess I think it was in '92 when Bush was on his way out, and Biden essentially said that he thought the next regime should be the one um, appointing the next seat. Um, right. So. Fortunately, you know, we got Gorsuch out of this, who's been much more in the middle than we anticipated. But um, the problem is here, and this is where, this took me a long time to kind of figure out my feelings on this, because initially I was totally outraged. 2016, McConnell fucked us and, and sat on it for nine months, and he went nuclear, I think was the term, went nuclear on it, mm. just sat on it and killed it. And, uh, and now we're five weeks before it, and it's the same situation, except it's Republican-led Senate and a Republican president. But to me, it's hypocritical of me to be screaming at, uh, at Trump for just doing his presidential duty. Because it says in the Constitution, nominate it while you're president, right? So in 2016, right. McConnell fucked up. He was an asshole. He shouldn't have done that. But at what point do we stop this tit for tat? Right. right. I know it's, it's hard. It's, it's, I, I, I told you the other day, it's ugly. It's polit politics have it has gotten so ugly, the tit for tat, you know, it's the game and it's awful. It's ugly. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you. Um, it's in constant, it's in the constitutional for, tr so let's just talk from the president's side of things. He has every right and should nominate a, a Supreme Court justice, right. um, uh, you know, and it's, it's in his constitutional right. It's in the constitution and he's president for four years and it's, his term is still, his term's not up yet. And it's, you just kind of shake your head at what happened in 2016. You're like, what was that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's so what I think. I think every you know, Democrat out there can, can be angry, they can be upset. But if you look 
back, like, you know, I would I don't really remember Reagan's presidency, but you got Clinton's where they tried to impeach him for being amoral, but not necessarily bad at his job. And then Bush's presidency then turned into everyone criticizing him for saying dumb things and maybe getting us into a war that shouldn't have been. And then you had Obama that got pretty much criticized for anything he did by the other side. And now you have Trump who's just outwardly criticized and watched <laughs> on everything. So like it's clearly getting worse and worse each presidency. Yeah. So I, I really kind of feel this lady's qualified, right? The 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 new um uh Amy Comey Amy Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, so yeah. she's qualified. She's got plenty of people on both sides of the aisle saying she's probably a good pick, regardless of what she thinks about Roe v. Wade or or Obamacare. Like um at some point we gotta, you know, one side has to be the bigger side and say, all right. I'm done with this tit for tat. We need to move on and we need to move together. Right. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. And what happened in 2016 led to what happened with the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, and that, that was kind of, yeah. you know, the that circus was, that was, yeah. that was a and, and, you know, cause of what McConnell pulled in 2016, the Democrats were like, all right, you're going to do that, but we're going to do this. And that was a whole circus. And, you know, like when's the circus going to stop? So I, 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 I'm with you. I hope that, look, like this is the game, right? It's, uh, this is the situation. This is the law. Um, and as unfortunate and as upset as one side of the aisle may be, there, there's not, there's nothing. And if we can show some decorum, it, I think it could go a long way for, fu for the future of, of our uh, Congress. Yeah, and just because this lady is, constitutionalist and you know, more Republican and a Catholic, that doesn't mean she automatically is going to go repeal this abortion law that everyone is really up in arms about. Yeah. I mean, there's it, a better chance that she's against it, but it doesn't mean she would, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that it, it's, it's, it's an automatic at all. I mean, it's not, I don't even think it's in the courts. I may be wrong about this, but I, I haven't read anywhere that it's up for debate even. Um, right. There's fears, the debates. obviously. That was but, the first time I'd heard about that was last night. Yeah, same. And I tried to research it. I couldn't mm -hmm. find anything. It's more of a fear, I think, yeah. understandably, but yeah. you know, they're, they're there to serve everyone, not just their, their they, don't have they don't have constituents. As we saw with Gorsuch, yeah, he's voted you with know, the, the Democratic appointees on several issues. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh. And, that's, and that's how they should be. These are the people that really should be non-political and above everything and, and better than everyone else. This is what exactly. these need to be because the president should have been that and it really hasn't been. So this is, these are the people that need to uphold right. this. Hopefully she's one of them. Hopefully so. And, you know, the Gorsuch thing was a huge that was a huge talking point back in 2017 and mm -hmm. there's a lot of people outraged by it, but it's turned out for the better. Yeah. And I, and I'm hoping, hoping that this does as well. I'm hoping that we we're not going to drag her family through the mud or do things right. like what happened with the Kavanaugh situation. I'm just hope, I hope not, you know? Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, cause it's, uh, I always find this, these people like really, fascinating and not necessarily in a good way um the, yeah. she's an originalist right so I, I guess you can call her a constitutionalist so 
you have like strict interpretations of the constitution and this document's now over 300 years old or almost almost 300 years old written by white slave owners say what you want about that but there wasn't like a group of um you know ethnic diversity gender diversity when when this was made right so like we're we're entering this um we're on this precipice right of some some really kind of wild crazy decisions with like cyber privacy and like we talked about the social media false news stuff and the advent of ai and i mean it's already you know invented and mobilized with all these algorithms and stuff but i don't really understand how the constitution guides us in this these are huge (laughs) yeah yeah it it's there's so much that i am with you on i mean it there's like this is not black and white anymore society is so much different i understand constitutional rights and the bill of rights and first amendment and you know going through each one but i mean we need to take a look at that (laughs) we probably do at some point right um i think that you know i i feel like being a constitutionalist is just upholding the law um and hopefully with an eye towards current society um that's my hope I'm, i'm an optimist i feel like you know, you can interpret the Constitution in a certain way, but hopefully with an eye on the current society. So uh, understand, and that's what I think Gorsuch has shown, mm-hmm. um, and I'm hoping the same. With, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't get Kobe negative Barrett. feelings about her. Like I, I get I don't it. either. Catholic, Republican, you, you're scared of Roe v. Wade, but I, it could be worse, right? Yeah, yeah, it could. I, I'm, I think that she's extremely well respected by lots and lots of people um that doesn't come you know no it does not in that field no exactly i mean people call her to the you know the best student they've ever had i mean i've read a lot of really really positive things about her and what she does in the community too like and i i truly went into researching her wanting to dislike her (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's certain things i don't like but as a person she seems fine so um, exactly. yeah, so moving on, uh, one thing I wanted you to, to um, I guess, describe, uh, another headline I've been seeing is that these big companies are using, I mean, you, you might not even be able to speak in this, we can edit it out, but using their like PVP loans to reinvest in themselves and you know, the dividends to pay, can you speak to that at all? Like the legality of it or do you not know? Yeah, I tried to dig in into this a little bit um it's reinvesting into your own company it's it's legal but incredibly unethical mm. so a lot of so not me this is this doesn't apply for a lot of major corporations so i was looking through the ppp uh kind of the handbook or the, the rules about this if you mm. have less than a certain amount of employees you're able to participate in this. And there is a lot of very, very wealthy like hedge fund type companies right. that have um, not been, you know, less than the requisite employee amount that applied, received loans, and then reinvested that back into the company, whether it's dividends for their shareholders um, and these hedge fund companies, it's technically 
not illegal, quote unquote, but incredibly unethical. Um, incredibly. And that's a, a legal loophole, right? And that's the right. same thing that we're seeing with this Trump Trump tax thing. Like we we've known for years about the Trump the Trump taxes, and now it's all of a sudden a headline because I guess it's the debate in the election. But <laughs> like the guy, I don't like Trump. You know this, but this guy donated a quarter of his salary the last couple of years to charities. That's a tax write-off. You know whatever you want to say about his what was it two hundred k or seven hundred k for hair? What was it? It's like a uh, ninety thousand. Ninety k. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but whatever, these are legal loopholes he's using. And again, it's more like, well, this is unethical and probably not super presidential. But and then he kind of threw it at, well, Pelosi didn't wear a mask or something that he said. <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's what I just kind of want to hanker back to is like what you said is like this is not on you know illegal maybe unethical but again that's the same sort of thing with these taxes it's it, the tax situation it's it's obviously jarring right when you see that number 750 dollars it's like yeah. uh what i paid <laughs> that much in my yeah it's like it's jarring to anyone but then you start to understand the kind of businesses that donald trump is in like look i'm not a cpa i'm not a tax professional but i know enough to be dangerous <laughs> when it comes to taxes but essentially his type of business that he is in um, allows for this especially you know re the real estate mogul type business where you can use these loopholes like depreciation of asset loopholes and things of that nature to deduct over a long period of time Trump's income is not normal like the income that you or I make, right? It's not, it's, it's different. <laughs> the money that he makes is different. And the current tax code benefits the, this type of money that you make. Um, you can offset capital gains, which predominantly billionaires and millionaires make their money off of capital gains, not in ordinary income. Well, you can offset capital gains with losses. It's, it's, uh, it's something that you can do. It's a very practice uh, tax efficiency act that many, many wealthy people use. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that, um, that you can offset gains with losses and you can do it losses forever. <laughs> There's no law against it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it was like, he took a huge hit, what, like 10 or 15 years ago. And it's just been like yeah. kind of coasting on that. Right. And you can do that. And whether we can argue for hours about the merits of it, whether it's right or wrong, but it's it's in the tax code. It's right. Unfortunately, it's ethical or not, it's the not way it is. Illegal. Right. It's not illegal, and it shouldn't even. I personally don't think it's even worth talking about in these debates or in the news cycle. It's like, well, do you think Donald Trump's the only person doing this? You know, like, like I already not Jeff Bezos is making, you know hundred times more than he does and pays even less taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm not doing a, but what about there, but it's just, where's the outrage to yeah. him? Like, right. It's, it's how our tax, it's how our tax code works. And now he gets hit on the other taxes and billionaires get hit on other taxes. It's just easy for most of Americans understand federal income taxes. We all pay it, so it's easy to understand, but they get hit on lots of other things um, in different ways. Uh, but that's beyond, any, you know, that's beyond anything that probably we can uh, talk about in an educational way. But um, 
ordinary income tax wise, I mean, it, it makes sense, unfortunately, based on how he makes his money. Right. So last thing I wanted you to kind of educate me on, because we had this discussion where I was morally outraged by this early on. I think this was like <laughs> April or May, was the, the big bailouts of, of huge businesses and of the stock market of this yeah. Federal Reserve. So, yeah. Yeah. First, yeah. This first describe what the Federal Reserve actually is. So this is a huge misnomer um, with most people. And it's, it's understandable because it's kind of confusing. But the Federal Reserve is essentially the U.S. government's central bank. Um, so it's not the same thing as the U.S. Treasury. They're two different entities. They work very close together. Um, so it may seem like they're the same thing, but they're not. So the Federal Reserve is like the U.S. government's bank. Mm-hmm. And they're responsible for uh, fiscal policy and interest rate policy. And that trickles down to all of the other banks. There's Federal Reserve banks all over the country. And so like when you bank at Chase or Wells Fargo, um, they report up through and have to follow the rules set by the Federal Reserve Bank. But the Federal Reserve is the bank to the U.S. government. So this isn't necessarily a government entity. It is not a government entity. They're, um, they're federal, the Fed, but they are not uh, technically a government entity. They are the bank to the government. They mm-hmm. set policy fiscally. Their job is to create a healthy and stabilize the U.S. economy. So then um, talk about how that but, is different, that they bailed out Wall Street rather than the government bailing out Wall Street? So their job is to create a lot of times liquidity in the markets without getting too um, inside baseball with this stuff. Basically the Fed, what was happening is the bond markets become very stale. And when bond markets become stale, interest rates can rise over time. And that can lead to a lot of problems, especially during a pandemic. It can lead to a lot of issues. Banks can't loan. Uh, There's just a lot that can, banks can't borrow. It becomes very challenging. And when the credit markets dry up, that leads to a lot of problems. So what happens with the Fed is they go in to create additional liquidity into the bond markets. They buy bonds. That creates the liquidity to keep interest rates at bay. And then what happens to that money is because interest rates are low inadvertently and an inadvertent effect of that, not a direct effect, but inadvertent money goes back into the market mm-hmm. because interest rates are low. So if you're someone that's trying to put your money somewhere, um, you may opt to go to the stock market versus the bond market mm-hmm. because bonds are not paying very much. So it's an inadvertent effect. Uh, when, so the feds not tech, not to say, injecting money into the market they're not doing that they're they're doing uh buying back bonds but that effect it's a trickle down effect that the money actually ends up back in the stock market yeah that makes sense um yeah yeah thank you so it's much different than than yeah it's saying we're giving three billion dollars to the stock market because these are my buddies right (laughs) it may seem like that because the market it's it's hard to fathom right you have all these especially when we were talking about the healthcare industry needed a lot of support. And it's very difficult to just see Fed bails out stock market, $300 billion. And you're like, Oh my God, what is going on? But it's, it's more of a preventive preventative measure 
to keep the economy stabilized, the net effect of that, there's a lot of net effects, there's a ton of net effects, but one of the net effects is the stock market can be injected with additional capital, but not from the Fed. Okay, got it. Um, so <laughs> last night, there was a bit of a shit show that happened to be on TV, and that was the presidential debate. <laughs> yes. Is there anything in that whole debacle of this kind of nothingness that you want to hit on? Well, after uh, three bottles of wine, I, I, I needed three bottles to get through that. I mean, I guess the first thing that I took away is we're all kind of losers. Um, no, one, no one's a winner here after that. That was pretty, pretty, um, pretty sad, to be honest. But I would say the, the big takeaway for me is, um, you know, I watched this debate. I knew what Trump was going to do. He's, we've seen his, his act for four years. We understand what's going to happen. I was curious to see what Joe Biden was going to do. That was really the main thing that I was uh, curious to watch because, you know, Biden's run a very uh, curious campaign um, thus far. So very, very I've, I've been curious to see tight-lipped, you know, doesn't take questions. It's a very, it's very interesting. So I wanted to see like, all right, let's see him on the big stage with this, you know, big bad wall for whatever you want to call Trump. And I thought Biden showed a pulse. I thought he showed some fight, which I didn't know or think that he may have had. So um, that was interesting to me. And yeah. I, what was also interesting to me, which I'm not surprised in, is one of Biden's biggest weaknesses is if he he's very good at when he's he's talking from a script. He, he's very good. He good talking points. Is well prepared. Mm -hmm. But when he kind of goes off script, mm -hmm. is when he gets in trouble. <laughs> Is when he especially says things in Trump, especially the number Trump didn't let him go off script. Like, <laughs> it, it, like, you know, Biden would say something and then Trump would interrupt him, and you know, he couldn't help himself. He just could right. not help himself. And I thought that played in played well for, for Biden. Right. Um, you know, if you're doing like a scorecard, cause Trump just can't help himself. He just can't stay out of his own way. And if he did, he I, I think too. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he's, I, had to laugh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, he, if he could just, if Donald, which he probably will never be able to do, just help himself to, by not interrupting and interjecting and saying, you know, the comedy act that he, he does, it's, I, I think Biden could have had a little more, some tongue twisters and said some things, but Donald let him off the hook and Donald shot himself like he always does right in the foot. So. so the things that I, first of all, so there's a couple myths to dispel here, right? They wanted to do a drug test to see if this older <laughs> Adderall, which if you've got dementia, Adderall is just going to make things a lot worse. Like yeah. that's, that's not going to, uh, that's not going to help things. The other thing is wearing a, a, an earpiece. So the idea if you're wearing an earpiece is that they're going to be feeding you what to say. But if you have dementia and you're sitting up there already confused and you have someone talking on one side of you and someone talking in your ear, there's no way you're going to be able to stay on track and, and repeat everything that's said, especially in these questions that are multi-part. So my concern, like I think most people, was that um, Biden was heading down the dementia path 
and we just didn't know how bad things were because like you said, things were tight lipped. He wasn't answering questions and he was kind of sticking to script. So to me, there was two things I wanted to see out of this debate because uh, I was between either just not really voting or voting Biden. Um, and, uh, and that was, you know, does he have his faculties? And there's, there's no way that if you're at least in any sort of advanced dementia, can you answer these multi-part questions, get interrupted every five seconds and still stay, get back on track? There's, there's just no way. Like he, he seems to have lost a step from four years ago, which is normal for a 77 year old, but I, I don't think he's on that dementia pathway. The other thing I wanted to see was a plan on just kind of bridging this divisiveness. Um, the only thing I can say Biden did positively in that was saying that he wouldn't defund the police. Um, but I would have liked to have seen him not say this Antifa thing is just a leftist ideal. Like this is an organization. Like I wish he could have said, no, I won't shut down the government. I, I support police. You know, I, I don't support completely defunding the police and I don't support these extremists. Right. Like that's really what he should have said. And Trump on the yeah. other side should have said the same thing. So I don't think either of them really took steps towards this kind of unification what the the country needs yeah I'm, I'm with you on that i mean they they both kind of tiptoed these lines and i i just don't get it i i, I just really don't get why the need to do that it seems so obvious <laughs> just like you get the stance right that, you get asked point blank denounce white supremacy you say okay yeah i denounce it these guys suck right yeah like just just say it like and trump always you always have to like they always have to interpret it's like they call it trump speak it's like like why do you have to always interpret what he says you know and he leaves room for interpretation it's yeah. like just say it man just say it to avoid it so we can move on and actually talk about some of the issues that we really need to talk about you know right it's and so what did he say stand back and stand by or something? <laughs> yeah, something like that. And apparently it was in regard to, you know, something about the police. I don't know. No, like, about the Proud Boys. You always have to interpret. Yeah, yeah, it's something about like, but the, he said stand by, um, like in, in terms of, you know, hold back, don't do anything, you know. But like, why do we even have to interpret that? a right. day later why do why do pr spokespeople have, have to, to talk about it <laughs> we shouldn't have to talk about it it should be a, a pretty easy it's a it's <laughs> it's a pretty easy question <laughs> to answer um, yeah my takeaway is it was a shit show i was pleased that biden had his faculties and was able to stay on course but i didn't really learn much didn't learn anything um i thought trump really had some opportunities um to lay some it, really some interesting points but he missed he didn't do it and biden you know did a thought a good job speaking to the camera i love um, him by the way you know Trump yeah it was, I, was I, that, yeah, I thought that was effective i would biden you know I, I would like to see some more direct answers i, I know we talked about a little bit last night he he, he has his planned answers and they're, they're sound, but 
if it's if the question doesn't mirror, he still kind of went with whatever his sound answer was. I wish he would have answered a lot of the some of the direct questions, specifically the one about packing the courts and yep. and, and some of the other ones. Um, so I, I mean, it we learned nothing. I think the biggest thing came from the Biden side that he like like you mentioned, um, you know, has has his faculty to him and Trump just Trump, you know, same. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I wasn't there to watch what he was going to do. We know what he was going to do. He didn't disappoint or he did disappoint, you know, depending on your, your point of view. But, um, yeah, it was, I can't believe we have two more of those. Yeah. But anyway, so on to some good news. The, uh, I think the, the biggest news in your life is going to start tonight, other than Michaela, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> game one so, so i'm excited this has been quite the year for the lakers kobe unfortunately passed and then this pandemic happened and then you guys have just been kind of all up and down all season mostly up uh and then in the bubble down and then in the playoffs just dominant um what's gonna happen yeah yeah man it's been an unreal uh i mean i remember we i was at i was in mexico it was in May of 2019. Um, my wife Erin and I were, were doing our wedding out there, and I got a news that they fired Luke Walden. Magic Johnson went on Steve first take and did this whole like. I mean, it was a meltdown. Oof. I was like, I forgot. Oh about my god! It's it was a meltdown, right? He did this whole deal. It was a disaster. We, you know, LeBron. We we're like, what? You know, I had groin injuries. Ever going to be the same? It was a disaster. They pull off the Anthony Davis trade. Things start getting better. We start making some decent signings. And then we get stuck in China. <laughs> We're one of the teams in China during that whole deal, that whole fiasco. How about that, too? That was an ordeal. And then the season starts off great. And then Kobe, you know, tragically uh, passed away. And that was devastating um, beyond belief to the organization, to the fans. It, it was in, in just beyond anything and then this pandemic happens and right as we were playing the best basketball guys of the were, year <laughs> yeah peaking i was like this is it and no one's gonna be the right side there was only what 10 games left at that point yeah 10 games left they just you know beat up the box beat up the clippers things were looking great and then all of a sudden <laughs> then the pandemic happens and who knows what's going to happen. The league was on, then off, then on, then off. And then they looked terrible in the bubble. and Awful. And then, awful. And then here we are. Um, so I think it's going to be a hard-fought series. I, I do. I think they're gonna, going to um, earn this one. This is going to be a tough one. But I, I, I like the Lakers in six. I think Miami's a very, very, very formidable opponent. But – we match up extremely well with them. And um, at, at the end of the day, we have LeBron and they don't. Yeah. And I've been very bullish on the Lakers. I think I picked them in five against Portland. I picked them in six against the Nuggets. Who else did you play? The Rockets. The Rockets. And I think I picked you in six against the Rockets too. Yeah. I think you guys, I, I think there might be a sweep. I don't know. This is such a young... Miami. A young team, yeah. their veteran really has never been there, right? Their, their leader, Butler, he's awesome. 
but I, I just think you guys are just gonna just roll through them. Like, I think it's gonna be an awesome series. I think each game will be entertaining, but I don't see it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll 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 give them this. The Coach Spo is one of the best in the league. Yeah, he's great. They're well prepared. They're young guys. Don't play like young guys, which is something to behold. Like they they are ready for the moment. Yeah, Hero is very scary. And then Bam Bam is coming into his own to be the superstar. But that's two of the coolest. You know, know, we have we have. Yeah, they are cool. <laughs> we, but we have, we have the two horses, you know. And, when, and as history has shown, when you have the best player in a series, and especially when you have the best two players in a series, yep. um, it's tough to go against that team. I mean, when you look at it, I, the only time I can think of it was 04 uh, Pistons, which a lot of people are making the comparison to when they beat the Lakers but that was a in 04. But that was not. That was, and the Lakers were coming off three championships, and had beat Carl up. Malone and Carl Malone even was hurt, so like that that team was decimated, and yeah. Kobe was flying back and forth to Colorado for the trial. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I just, I, I, uh, we'll yeah, like you said, like you clearly have the one and two players, and then they they probably have three. Four or five. Four or five. Maybe six. It depends. But still, you're going to – the way you guys do your rotations, there's very little time where both LeBron and AD are going to be on the bench. This is it. This is your last handful of games, so they're going to play all out. (laughs) They're they're never on the – yeah, there's always one of them on the bench. And the the lineups, I thought our coaching staff did a really good job, thoughtfully constructed, who's out there with them, when they're out there. Um. You know, they, they have a good pulse on the team, and Miami presents unique challenges that right. the Nuggets, Rockets, or Blazers didn't present. But we present challenges that no team in the league presents. Yeah. <laughs> so, to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can play any style, anytime, anywhere. We go big, we go small. We have the Anthony Davis is like I, – I call him the biggest cheat code in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You can play big, you can play small. Um, because yeah. of him he's yep. the biggest cheat code there is in the league there's no one like him and we have him so um yeah he's yeah. like a, a, an even more fluid better shooting like Garnett right like it's ridiculous yeah he has more range than Garnett um more rim protection too um yeah. Garnett was as good of a defender as he was you know one of the best ever um Anthony Davis can block five shots in a game I mean yeah it, it's He's unlike any. He's unlike anything I've ever seen in, in basketball to guard one through five, but also protect the rim. Like he's like Draymond on defense, but also can get you five blocks. And also five inches to six inches taller. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> and with a seven five wings. And it's not even the amount of blocks. It's he affects way more shots too. Yep, so it's affects crazy. way more shots. It's so we have him and um, I wish and LeBron. I really wish he didn't have Marquise Morris. That's all I got to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't want him to win a ring. And that's my big yeah. pulling for you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's playing well, too, so I'm sorry. the worst. Anyways, any, any uh, closing thoughts? I usually no, ask. No, man. Um, I ask usually. I put you on the spot here. I'll edit it out if you don't. But 
uh, for listeners, if you have any recommendations, anything, books, shows, movies, a Twitter follow, songs you like? That's a, that's a great question. Um, we just watched, uh, what did we just watch? The Morning Show. That was good. Yeah. Started that. That was good. And, um, and then also podcasts that I'm listening to. What am I listening to right now? There's, it's all, it's all Laker related. So, you know, I wouldn't be any out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, That's pretty much what I'm listening to. All right, man. Get back to your family. Thanks. Thanks, man, for having me. It was fun. Of course. Thank you for tuning in to another can't miss episode of Just a Couple Dudes or Jacked podcast. We're new on Twitter, so please give us a follow at, at JAKDPod. On Instagram, you can follow us at JAKD underscore podcast. And we have a new YouTube channel set up at Just a Couple Dudes, and that's couple with a K. We also have a website, JAKDPOD.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow, check out our website. And tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks. Mm-hmm.